0: This is day 134, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Mark 13 and 14, and Psalm 68. Mark 13, as Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abominations that causes desolation standing where it is, does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter, because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now, and never to be equaled again." If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, here he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, you do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. Now the Passover and the festivals of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the Festival of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room, and where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover." When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born." While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, Truly I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives." You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today? Yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted, emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to go deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping. Because their eyes were heavy, they did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, The one I kiss is the man, arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind." They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the teachers of the law came together. Peter followed him at the distance, right into the courtyard of the high priests. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself at the fire. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. "'We heard him say, "'I will destroy this temple made with human hands "'and in three days will build another not made with hands.' "'Yet even then their testimony did not agree. "'Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, "'Are you not going to answer? "'What is this testimony "'that these men are bringing against you?' "'But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. "'Again, the high priest asked him, "'Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One?' "'I am,' said Jesus." and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He said, You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, Prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Psalm 68. May God arise, may his enemies be scattered, may his foes flee before him, may you blow them away like smoke, as wax melts before the fire, may the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. A father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows. Is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O God. You refreshed your weary inheritance. Your people settled in it, and from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. The Lord announced the word, and the woman who proclaimed it are a mighty throng. Kings and armies flee in haste. The woman at home divide the plunder. Even while you sleep among the sheep pen, the wings of my dove are sheathed with silver, its feathers with shining gold. When the Almighty scattered the kings in the land, it was like snow fallen on Mount Zalmon. Mount Bashan, majestic mountain, Mount Bashan, rugged mountain. Why gaze and envy you rugged mountain at the mountain where God chooses to reign, where the Lord himself will dwell forever? The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Sinai into His sanctuary. When you ascend on high, you took many captives. You receive gifts from people, even from the rebellious, that you, Lord God, might dwell there. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Our God is a God who saves. From the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. Surely God will crush the heads of his enemies, the hairy crowns of those who go on in their sins. The Lord says, I will bring them from Bashan. I will bring them from the depths of the sea that your feet may wade in the blood of your foes while the tongues of Your dogs have their share. Your procession, God, has come into view. The procession of my God and King into the sanctuary. In front are the singers, after them the musicians. With them are the young women playing the timbrels. Praise God in the great congregation. Praise the Lord in the assembly of Israel. There is the little tribe of Benjamin leading them. There is the great throng of Judea's princes. And there the princes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Summon your power, God. Show us your strength, our God, as you have done before. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings will bring you gifts. Rebuke the beast among the reeds, the herd of bulls among the calves of the nations. Humbled, may the beast bring bars of silver. Scatter the nations who delight in war. Envoys will come from Egypt. Cush will submit herself to God. Sing to God, your kingdoms of the earth, sing praise to the Lord, to him who rides across the highest heavens, the ancient heavens, whose thunders might with mighty voice. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. I want to point back to Mark eleven, yesterday's episode, for just a minute. Jesus is acting with intent, where he was trying to keep his messiahship seemingly on the down low. Now he is acting in a way that claims his identity. Remember, he rode in on a young male donkey. Jesus is fulfilling what the Jewish people knew was Zachariah's prophecy in the Old Testament. Zechariah 9 verse 9, which reads, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout in triumph, daughter Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is intentionally announcing his messiahship through his symbolic actions. The sages in Beccarat 5b explain that one possible reason Jesus came on a donkey was because in Exodus, it was the donkeys who helped facilitate the Exodus, specifically the treasure of Egypt, gold and silver, which were given to the Israelites, which God said they would take with them. Another interesting note is that God called for the firstborn of every family and husbandry animal by a family to be consecrated to him in Exodus 13. Then in Exodus 13 verse 13, it specifically states that every firstling donkey must be redeemed with a sheep. So interesting. Another Jewish rabbi suggests that the Messiah coming on a donkey signifies an unwarranted or undeserved redemption. Whereas the Messiah coming on the clouds is prophesied in Daniel and Rabbi Daniel, the rabbi believed would indicate the Israelites would have to merit, most likely through obedience, that type of redemptive return. The Messiah coming on a donkey is so interesting to me. There's a lot to reflect on. In any case, the Messiah chose to come and save with such incredible humility and at the same time, victoriousness. As biblical scholar Mark Strauss points out, Zechariah 9, the larger chapter, makes it clear that even though Jesus did not come on a war horse, Zechariah says God will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The bow of war will be removed and the peace will be restored in the nations. This dominion extends from sea to sea to the ends of the earth. Mark Strauss reminds us that the first two lines of the people praising, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, it comes from Psalms 118.26, which was used in the Feast of Tabernacle and the Passover. Hosanna means save us now. With the people connecting King David and the kingdom of Israel, Mark Strauss states this could mean they are expecting hope for the kingdom and are referencing specifically to Jesus as king. Also note, the other gospels have similar but different wording regarding what the people shouted. Matthew 21, verse 9 stated, Hosanna to the son of David. Luke 19, verse 38, blessed is the king who comes. And John 12, verse 13, blessed is, and then there's some words, the king of Israel. So interesting. It reminds me that the gospels are narrative accounts of Jesus' life from different people. Perhaps people were shouting different but similar things, yet they all seemed to be pointing back to their knowledge and acknowledgement of Jesus as the Messiah foretold in the Old Testament. In today's reading, we see Jesus' authority as he judges the religious leaders and predicts the self-destruction of the temple and Jerusalem, that which was sacred and set apart for the presence of God to dwell with his people, for atonement and the place from which to bless the whole world at the center of it all. Jesus also predicts the second coming and the need to not only remember, but be ready, This is so interesting to me. It seems connected all the way back to Genesis 4, where it states, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. There is this constant warning in the Old and New Testament, and the most emphasized way to be vigilant is in the remembering. Coming close to the details of God's story and the gospel, what Jesus did, and with wholehearted obedience, Shema, we pursue shalom and the transformation by the Holy Spirit of becoming a kingdom of priests, where we're putting God on display, helping others navigate to Jesus for atonement, interceding for others in prayer, and being prodigally generous. There are so many connections between the Old and New Testament. It's truly amazing. Because again, Hundreds of years between these. Then we read about the Jewish Passover, another connection back to Exodus, where God delivered the Israelites ultimately by sending God's angel of death to pass over the Israelite households marked with the blood of the Passover lamb. Here, Jesus is that lamb. It's his blood that atones, that ultimately redeems us. Biblical scholar Mark Strauss points to how the woman anointing Jesus, showing hospitality, is sandwiched in the story between the religious leaders plotting to destroy him and Judas' betrayal. Her role in the story is to contrast and show her actions as the antithesis of the hatred and duplicity, those in the anti-story. Jesus makes it clear at the end of chapter 14, this is the new Passover. Jesus' words point back to his fulfillment of Jeremiah 31, Exodus 24, verse 8, Mark 10, verse 45, and Isaiah, verse 43, 11 through 12. One other thing to point out is that the gospel according to Mark is the only one that adds that account of a young man who is seized but slips out of a linen garment and escapes. Biblical scholar Mark Strauss thinks the most likely explanation is that this person is Mark himself. He thinks this because Mark would have been a young man at the time, and his mother, Mary, owned a house in Jerusalem, according to Acts 12, verse 12. It's interesting to consider. Why is that little part in the story, and who is it? Jesus is judged by both the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, which is about 70 or so elders, chief priests, and scribes, led by the high priest— and the Romans before Governor Pontius Pilate to the direct high priest. I just think this is so incredible. The high priest in the whole Sanhedrin judgment situation gives Jesus this direct question Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? And remember, Jesus had sort of been like, Keep me a secret, a little bit mysterious in a way. Here, Jesus answers in the most direct way I am. Then he goes on to say, and you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus is pointing to Psalms 110 verse 1 and Daniel chapter 7 verse 3 to 14. He's saying, I am standing before you because he's fulfilling the rescue mission and redemption, right? Those of us that know the story know the story. But he is making it clear that one day you will stand before me.